Hello again, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Resilient Health Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Darren Ingalls. And my guest today is Deborah Atkinson. And I've actually met Deborah, maybe it's like four or five years ago. We met through uh, the Mindshare Summit. I think we were in the mastermind together. And Deborah is an expert in exercise, particularly for women who are approaching, you know, say middle age, starting to enter menopause, has done a lot of work and is really an expert in getting metabolically fit as you start to go through the change. So, Deborah, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Well, thank you for having me. Great to see you again. So, you know, let's kind of kick this off. I, you know, I see this in my practice all the time of women, you know, as they start to become perimenopausal or just flat out menopausal, they're really struggling to lose weight. I mean, honestly, they the things they used to do in their you know teens, 20s, 30s, they just, they just don't work anymore. So, you know, what is it about that time of a woman's life that makes it more difficult to you know drop those extra pounds? Well, you know, I can give you the one word that everybody's going to say it's hormones. <laughs> and that tells you nothing. All that does is gives us a, okay, well, I can't do anything about it. And we certainly don't want to do that. But, but it is the fact that they've all shifted. And the, the infamous words that in, in the green room, before we even turned on, you actually said what I hear all the time, what I used to do that work doesn't work anymore. And, and we can all look at if we were to run a lab or you were to run a lab on your patients their hormones aren't the same as they were. And exercise influences hormones, hormones influence exercise. So we have to put together, aha, doing the same thing I used to do with a different set of hormones is not going to work, but that's just data. So now we know either we can change the exercise to more positively support hormonal balance. Now it's not going to replace hormones, but I do like to say strength training may actually be hormone replacement if you're doing it right. But it's that we're going to have to listen and respond a whole lot better than we have, especially women. I think you could probably think of your mom, your grandma, or an aunt who pushed through. They were that person you could count on no matter what, it was going to get done. And, and especially if it was for someone else, it would get done. And often ignoring her own needs and the rest she might have needed. And that worked. We got away with it. It wasn't working great, but we got away with it. But when now we're in this hormonal change and under a great deal of stress caused by that hormonal change, well, we happen to be in midlife when we've still got young kids, you know, some some people have five year olds when they're 50, you know, or we've got young adult kids still fairly dependent on us. And we've got aging parents or in-laws also dependent on us and our own needs physically, mentally, and maybe what we want are changing. So we are in this, you know, perfect storm of hormonal physiological change, life change, you know, mental, emotional stressors. And so it all, you know, your body does not know the difference between which one of those is pushing the accelerator and you're carrying all that around. We have to remember exercise is a stressor as well. So if we're trying to do the same thing, it may actually be the tipping point and we're doing too much, making ourselves more exhausted. So there are, there are a lot of questions to ask and things to do to say, how do I need to tweak my exercise just right now and keep listening? Because I might need to tweak it again in a few months. 
So this really is an individual thing, right? I mean, I think every woman's body is different the way it responds to different types of exercise, perhaps, you know, certainly from our side of the table, you know, when women come in, often we're trying to help, you know, with their hormones. Some women go on hormone replacement or sometimes we're doing other things to help balance out their hormones, you know, particularly cortisol. We know cortisol is one of those hormones that can cause that sort of mid-belly weight gain. And, you know, talked about stress, you know, cortisol right. is really one of your big stress hormones. So, you know, from our side of the table, you know, we can kind of help balance that hormone piece. But, you know, I think this idea that we've all been told in exercise science that if you just, you know, eat less and work out more, you're going to lose weight. And that really doesn't work, does it? No, in fact, it backfires. I think for a lot of women, they got really good at that. They got good at that game. And we've eaten so little now that, you know, it's like sitting in your car with it running with one foot on the gas and one foot, you know, on the brake. What happens? I mean, you're going to burn out your motor and kind of putting that in the body. We end up burning ourselves out. We're demanding that we turn up the metabolism by exercising more. And, and a lot of women resort to endurance exercise, which I think we're going to have to talk about that, too, because the, you know, deleterious effects of that on muscle is not good as we age. But then we're eating too little, which is really telling our metabolism to slow. So we're saying speed up, slow down at the same time. And, you know, the body is not going to handle that. And what it does when it's under stress is often store fat, not burn it. So it can be, yes, very individual. There are general tenants. We've got, you know, 10 tenants of flipping 50 that you know, we've got to start somewhere. So if we can give some guidelines, that'll help a lot of women. And then she'll say, and here's something special about me. And then we might need to navigate that change, but at least we've got a better base. The most important thing I think to be said here before we go any further is I stumbled across this after 50 fitness formula for women accidentally you know, I had quit my job at 49 and realized a day later, you know, I'm going to start paying college tuition in eight months. How how well is this going to work for me right now? This this online thing I'm doing better work. And so I was a little stressed, but I spent a lot of time in front of my computer, you know, and was suddenly no longer a fitness expert and, you know, enthusiast who was pursuing activity for hours a day. I was, you know, maybe allowing myself 20 minutes to go for a walk or do hits or something quickly and efficiently. But what I found is a year later, I was more fit than I'd ever been. Teaching classes for hours, running long distances. And so I was like, wait a minute, this is against everything I've ever taught at a university level and, and ever learned myself. But I found that the amount of research on females in sports medicine and in exercise science is only about 39%. And, and if you're looking at, you know, what are the odds? I mean, women have worse odds in certain things than that. But if you then, you know, as you know, you would never do the same thing with an adolescent girl in certain hormone phase as you would someone who was pregnant or someone who was in perimenopause or postmenopause you know, seven different at least phases of hormones in our lives that women go through demand a unique exercise prescription and we're really not getting it. So if no woman, you know, until this point 
ever knew to ask, was that program designed based on science featuring women just like me? We were probably gambling and it wasn't. I didn't know. I've been doing this 40 years, but at 30 years, when I started asking this question, I had supervised personal trainers. I wasn't asking them to do it. You know, we didn't know what we didn't know, but now that we do, it's time to be sure, you know, if I'm postmenopausal, we're postmenopausal women, the subjects in that study, you know, I need to know that before I go out and do a hit workout blindly thinking that's going to burn fat for me. Well, you mentioned a little bit earlier about strength training. I want to kind of hone in on this because I think, you know, what the evidence that's coming out more recently is that, you know, this really is key to being metabolically fit. You know, it seems that when you're doing cardio, you know, you're burning calories while you're doing the activity, but yeah. but when you stop, you're done. Whereas yeah. you can start improving your muscle mass. Now you've got a machine that starts burning, you know, energy, burning fat when you're not necessarily exercising. So how is important is it for, you know, women as they're, you know, getting close to, you know, the change that they should really be doing some element of, you know, you know, hit training, weight training, strength training? It's it's paramount, you know, and, and you said it great. It's like cardio is like, uh, what have you done for me lately, friend? You know, as soon as you're done, you're you're not really reaping the benefits from that. And strength training is so very different. So if, you know, and I'm not saying, I think a lot of women confuse this to say, you're saying cardio is bad or never do cardio. It's not that. Right. I mean, yeah. the most important muscle we do have is the heart. We all have to acknowledge that. But we also know that you can strength train and get cardiovascular benefits as well. And not because you're going fast, you just simply are doing a great pump to the heart. And for a lot of people who are reluctant exercisers, we know you're out there. It sometimes is a lot less intimidating to sit down to lift weights slowly and controlled as opposed to getting the heart rate up and sweating and feeling the anxiety that might come in doing something more cardiovascular. But you know, we start losing muscle mass after about age 30. We peak at 25. We can coast for a little bit, you know, and that's when you can still have hot fudge sundays. You know, a lot of women will say, now if I look at a hot fudge sunday, I gain weight. You know, it's not good. But at 30, we almost all start withdrawing from that bank unless we knew to do the right thing. So we have to finish that sentence. For those of you, if we're preaching to the choir, you've been lifting weights since then, you've been observing a higher protein diet probably to help that and sleeping really well, you're probably far better off. However, anybody starting now, we know there are studies existing that say starting in your 90s, even for someone who's wheelchair ridden, you can gain strength. It will be harder to gain lean mass, but you can gain strength and we know it. So don't be thinking 50s too late. You know, I will come over there myself and wash your mouth out with soap, right? <laughs> we, we're only at the second half, right? It's when all the good things happen. So if we're losing three to 8% on average of lean muscle tissue a decade until about the age of, we can talk about 50, but I want to get to 60 first. At 60, it accelerates to one to 2% annually. 
So now we're just speeding that up. And it's, you know, metabolism also came out in 2021, holds true from 20 to 60. We can't really use that excuse that, oh, we're getting older and so it slows. It's slow. It's because we sit down a little bit more. We also love to socialize a little bit more as we get older and we have the funds to do that. So I think we've contributed a little bit to our own detriment, but also I think women are more at risk. So I think that holding the metabolism true is is something we can say of both genders. But I think of women who go through menopause, estrogen is a muscle stimulant. So it's a protector. We've always known a protector of bone, but it's also been a protector of muscle. So you're sitting on this three-legged stool and now that one's gone. Well, if you were strength training at all, great, but I think you're going to need to pick up a heavier weight, be more dedicated, don't miss a day. And if you're supposed to do cardio and strength and you only have a short time, pick the strength. Never, never go for the cardio first. And, you know, we've got to look at, are we getting adequate overload? So in the research based on females in perimenopause or postmenopause, everything says yes and like it will help decrease symptoms of belly fat, of uh, insomnia, low libido, help overcome the loss of lean muscle mass. If it's of adequate intensity, it will also help decrease hot flashes. So it's not, you're getting older, so we need to have you do chair aerobics. We actually need you more than a younger woman to be sure you're picking up weights that are challenging for you. So for people tuning in here where they've never really done this before, I can see, you know, you walk into the gym, you look at all this equipment, you don't know what to do with it. It's intimidating. Where's the good place for people to start? You know, I think you first of all have to ask yourself a few really good questions. Number one, you know, get some kind of guidance. So where are you going to do that? Please don't go randomly to YouTube. Now I'm there. I've got a channel there, but but even that you land on one, you don't yet know, should I be doing that one? And, and you know, why or why not? So I think you've got to ask yourself, where are you going to be the most comfortable working out, the most likely to continue to do it? You know, since the pandemic and prior to that, I would have said this as well. But since the pandemic, I think we all need to have a backup plan at home just in case whether you know our our numbers flare again heaven forbid but if that's true you're getting nervous or time crunch is a is a big factor for everybody so that you don't have the commute you know you've got a place at home and you would know what to do with it you've got dumbbells at home but where would you be more comfortable going to a gym or would you prefer to do it at home and you have the space? Think about that. Do you prefer to do it independently and solo, whether whether that's under the instruction of a trainer or to a video, or do you like group fitness where you're involved in a group, you go into a room, it feels a little bit like a party. I think you need to ask a few questions and know who you are. I don't think you get to choose, um, I, I like yoga, I like Pilates, I like cardio. I like walking or I like strength. We all have the muscle we've got to tend to. We have skeletal structures that we have to tend to and we have to, we have mobility that we've got to tend to. So I think we need to be doing some kind of stretching or yoga or Pilates to get that full range of motion and keep it. And we've also got to 
make sure that we're not losing muscle. Number one, put the brakes on on that and monitor it and start gaining it and or gaining strength and do something for bone density. That's what honestly, for a lot of women, that'll be the initiator. You know, she'll have this, the words, you know, you've got osteopenia, you've got osteoporosis. And that's a little scary if you don't know what to do with it. Um, it feels like something's been taken away. We've got control and there's, you know, I hate to say this, but there's never been a better time to be diagnosed because we've got more research than we ever have that you can reverse those losses. Yeah. And you mentioned about the heart too. And I should point out that, you know, heart disease in women goes grossly unidentified. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it's so disproportionate how many women have heart complaints that get dismissed both by male and female doctors. It's, it's, it's staggering. So if we're talking about, you know, cardiovascular health and heart health, you know, getting that strength training in is really uh, obvious aside from all the other benefits you mentioned, you know, improving the strength and integrity of your heart uh, is, is critically important. And just with that understanding, you know, I guess I just mentioned that if you ever feel like you're having a chest pain, heart issues, please get it checked out. Because again, I just seen so many women that, you know, had very mild heart attacks that didn't know and found out actually much later, and it could have been much more serious. So again, if you're having those kind of things, definitely want to get that checked out. Uh, I also want to talk a little bit about, uh, oh, before I get on that, let's talk a little bit just in terms of frequency. How often should women be, you know, doing this kind of strength training to get the best results? Yeah, and there's a lot to unpack here, but to keep it as simple as possible. So when we talk frequency, it's, you know, a matter often of are we doing the whole body or are we doing parts of the body? And I'm a big fan of total body. And for a couple of reasons, number one, you're not so dependent on a schedule and having to stay consistent. And if you miss a day, your your whole week is a little bit destroyed because you're not getting that stimulation to a muscle group. Total body doesn't necessarily have to be extended period of time. So you can do a total body in 10 minutes if you need to, to a, I can stay consistent workout. If you can do 30 minutes or 45, even better. And that's about how long we want it. Because I think you probably see this too. I see a lot of women who come into our programs even, and it becomes very apparent based on what they're saying that they have some adrenal stress that we need to say, okay, I love that you want to be here and you're pushing, but we're going to put the brakes on. What I want you to do is to let's restore before we do more and let's make sure we bring you back up. You feel good energetically all day, sleeping good. Then we do this formula that works for apparently healthy women. So two or three times a week, total body. The literature throughout history says there's really almost no significant difference between the two or the three times per week. And there are women out there saying, I love to exercise. I want to do three times a week. And I know you, I am you, but I think for the rest of you, we, we add administer just a twice weekly strength training. We do that because that's doable. It's realistic you have wiggle room, you miss on Monday and you intended to move it to Tuesday, no problem. You still have plenty of rest before you do that next one. And it, there's just a lot of latitude. But the other things, the factors that happen there is you come at it fresh 
you feel like I can do the work. And remember, the adequate intensity was really important. Those two words keep coming out. So we have to be able to work hard enough during those two sessions and yet not to go into it already feeling tired, fatigued, or sore. So you've got plenty of time between those two workouts in order to recover. And we don't want you to sit on the couch between. So there's no bonbons and TV in between. We're, we're maybe doing walking every day to move. Maybe you're doing high intensity interval training. Those of you that love yoga or Pilates, those fit really well. So yes, movement and you know pickleball, the more active you are, the better. Not exhausted, but active so you're energized by it. So twice weekly, I love for those of you that want three times, we prefer that you're doing twice where it's heavier. You're actually lifting heavier weight. And maybe that third time is much more of a functional workout. And, you know, a body weight workout with uh, yoga where you're transferring, it's like push up after push up to an up and a downward facing dog and lots of rotation. So you're getting a real good stimulus of that muscle then as well. You know, there's so many health benefits to exercise. And one I think that also gets overlooked is this this idea that when you move your muscle, you're moving your lymph. And the lymph is the system that really helps with detoxification. You know, all the junk in the body, all the breakdown products, even hormones, all go through the lymph before they get dumped into your blood vessels and eventually get excreted. So can you talk a little bit about, you know, are there specific exercises that help promote better lymph flow? You know, how should we be thinking about this? Yeah, well, and, you know, I just like parents, I shouldn't play favorites, but, you know, <laughs> in terms of the lymph, there are a couple of things that really stand out. And I will tell you that, you know, this is the 40th year that I've been in fitness and I was really not as in the know about this because I wasn't surrounded by as many people who were asking for this or in a situation where they were maybe detoxing from mold or they needed lymphatic emphasis because of cancer and treatments that left them with struggling with lymph flow. But there are two that come out and one is rebounding. So it's very different than simply jumping on a trampoline. If you're unfamiliar, it looks like a mini trampoline. It's tons of fun. Most women will say, I just like it. It's fun. And for lymphatic flow, the research is pretty consistent that, you know, we depend on the exercise because those valves don't open and, they, and get going alone. But what happens uniquely on a trampoline is when you're jumping up and down, you get that open close repeatedly and rapidly right away. So it's like a two to three minutes just on it. We're not talking a sweat session, just you're just on it. Maybe a break between your home office and the bathroom, you know, a couple of times a day, you're benefiting from it. And that's huge. The difference is, you know, you might jump up and down on a trampoline if you're thinking about when you were a kid and last on one. The difference is your your feet are always in contact with it when you're rebounding. So there's something different for lymphatic flow, but the increase of flow is about 15% in most of the studies. And the other one, which is fairly new to me in terms of using it on a daily basis, is um, whole body vibration. 
So um, brand names, you know, power plate is a popular one, but you can also find them in gyms and fitness centers, uh, rehab, physical therapy and chiropractors are holding them now for treatment and resources. So the stimulation compared to, so you and I might do a, a balance pose if we were talking yoga or a squat. So take your pick if you're watching. One of those appeals to you, probably the other one doesn't. But we could do it on the ground or we could do it on the power plate. And generally stimulations of contracting muscles happens at about 40% of the muscle is called on when we're doing a squat or any exercise. And that's for anyone, fit, not fit. Probably the more fit, you're probably getting higher. But on the power plate, that same exercise stimulates about 95%. And it does it because the vibration is just happening so fast somewhere generally it's around 30 40 35 up to 50 hertz but 30 and 35 are very common in the literature and your muscle is contracting that much too the beauty of it for anybody watching is you don't feel that contraction it's just happening you kind of feel something you feel kind of magical and stimulated a little more energized but it's certainly not painful you don't feel you're working any harder so for those who can't do more exercise, that's that's a really nice way to go. Both of those great options. Yeah, I have a power plate and I love it. It's actually sometimes I'll just stand on it. <laughs> it's just that yes. feels so good in the, my legs and just you can feel things just kind of moving through, even just standing on it. Uh, and for someone like me, I, I have MS, so it actually helps with my balance, my coordination, you know, just yeah. stepping on and off it while it's vibrating. Very simple stuff. So I, I like the idea that, you know, these kind of things that, I mean, the power plate's kind of expensive and there are other vibrating plates that are a little bit cheaper. Uh, I like the power plate and the fact that mine has like bars on it to hold on to. So again, if you have any kind of balance issues, if you're getting a little older and you don't feel as steady, it's nice to have something to grab onto. And same thing with the rebounder. Uh, I have a rebounder as well that has a, a bar to hold on to. So it helps with your stability and balance. And I found even for my young kids as a way to give them exercise, they love the rebounder. It's loads of fun. They like to just bounce on it. So you can even start teaching your young ones if you have them to start getting on a rebounder. And it's a great way to stay physically fit you know especially if you live in cold weather climates where getting outdoors might not be optimal right now where it's been really really cold uh so these are just great tips to to get your body moving but i think you know what you're saying too is you know that you've got to find something you love doing because if you don't love doing it and you hate doing it you're probably not going to do it yeah that's exactly right and that that i think is probably the best you know way if you start something generally you will start feeling better and it it does become so total transparency we we hope you become codependent right we hope you're looking for what's the next thing and you know i've had clients before very reluctant to start something or something new and then who would say feeling good feels good why would i ever want to stop this you know and best quote ever right that's exactly what we want so start with something you like knowing you know, there may be more down the road, but right now, today, it's all you need to do. Well, Deborah is a health coach and obviously teaches people all over the world to get more metabolically flexible, metabolically fit. And I know that you offer a masterclass every second Wednesday. So can you just tell us a little bit about your masterclass? Absolutely. Well, the whole purpose is really to 
open up our exclusive membership and give everybody an opportunity to see what the content is like inside. But we hit on a topic that is of high interest for our community, kind of always listening and what are they always talking about? So just to give you in four instance, um, ironically, February's Heart Health Month. Most people are talking about the heart probably for 39 to 40 years. So have I. But this month, I'm switching it up a little bit and I'm talking about glutes. And the reason is when when you want to work the heart a little bit more, you actually need strong glutes. And a lot of times you have things preventing you from doing it. And that sometimes is knees and or lower back pain. And often I think we go right to, I need a knee exercise because my knees hurt, or I need a lower back exercise or a stretch because my lower back hurts. And often those are signs and symptoms. So we're talking about glutes, glute strength, how to wake up lazy glutes. We often, you know, we misplace the keys, but we also have gluteal amnesia. I hate to be the bearer of bad news. So we need to wake them up and you know, there's a great opportunity there because they're the largest muscle and strongest muscle or should be in the body. So we can stimulate metabolism. And if we've got strong glutes, we have a faster gait that's tied to longevity. We have the ability to do exercises that will help us build bone density and increase our lean muscle mass overall through the body. So they're really important and sometimes overlooked. Well, uh, this has been a lot of great information. I know for women again who are approaching that point in their life, you know, this is really helpful to know about, you know, improving your heart health, your bone health, feeling better about yourself, feeling better about your body. Uh, so we're going to drop a link in the show notes. that will take you to, to Deborah's masterclass if you want to check it out. But again, I'm just grateful that you spent some time with us today and share this great information. Well, thank you so much for having me for the work that you do, Darren. 